You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. The secret to well-being is discovering the power that is your birthright, the power to create a happier, healthier life drawn from our own vast internal resources. Join Jules and her guests as they gently guide you to shift your perspective from the familiar negative to the divinely connected, a place that will not only positively impact your world, but possibly shift the planet. It's all right here on Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Well, welcome to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I'm Jules from beautiful Southern California. And today we have got the incredible Marguerite Manning with us. And she is talking about her brand new book. Um, And it's a workbook. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. You know, I'm a huge believer in astrology. And the reason why... Well, everyday proof that it exists. You know, the tides come in because of the moon. The tides go out because of the moon and because of the magnetic feature that exists due to the planet's placement. This makes it real. And you know who confirmed this for me? None other than Dr. Bruce Lipton. He said, of course, astrology is real. and I believe it, but it takes a really, really phenomenal astrologer to interpret the stars correctly. And I usually will read, oh, about three, four, maybe five uh, astrologers to get an accurate picture. But Marguerite is a different astrologer. She deals mostly with past lives. And she can reveal quite a bit uh, about how the past life affects you in your present life. And so I just adore this lady. She is my twin sister, uh, astrology wise. uh, And she is absolutely brilliant. I've known her for years. And I just I just adore her. She's already one of my most favorite people in the entire world. So with that, let's talk to Marguerite right after these commercials. Did you know that every human uses only a small portion of their powerful mind? Jules Johnson, International Certified Hypnotherapist, wants to introduce you to your powerful mind in order to create your dream life. In as little as one session, Jules guides you into releasing limiting beliefs that keep you from achieving wealth, health, better relationships, and even true love. Schedule a session in Palm Springs or set up a Skype video session for those nationally and internationally. Jules would love to serve as your guide into living your dreams. Go to creativeguidedimagery.com or call 951-201-2166. That's creativeguidedimagery.com. It's here, it's hot, and it's a must-read. It's the science behind The Law of Attraction magazine. Every issue brings you great articles and in-depth how-tos from all your favorite Law of Attraction experts, authors, scientists, and medical professionals. 
go to lawofattractionmagazine.net. That's lawofattractionmagazine.net. Well, welcome, Marguerite Manning, to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. It's been way too long, my dear. Way too long. Thank you for having me. It's always good to be back with you, really. I just love it here. Uh, And, you know, I feel that we are cosmically connected. We are Gemini, so you might be my twin from a previous life, you know, so that might have something to do with it. Yeah, we are connected. And uh, when I think of astrology, which I think of often, I think of you because it's like, there's another aspect to astrology that most people don't get. And it has to do with your past, your previous lives. And you are the one astrologer I have ever known that can bring the past life and to correct this life. And correct. that's an important element that nobody else, I don't think there is another astrologer that does that, but you are That's my passion. My passion is finding the soul's past in the birth chart. And I find that it's so therapeutic, which hence my, my, my uh, business therapy for the soul, that I believe that, you know, that's the one part in astrology that never really gets addressed is the soul. And that's the part that, we're, you know, that's the part of us that's driving us forward in this lifetime and, and harboring the fears and the improper programming from our previous lifetimes. Now, when you go to a shrink or to a psychiatrist in this lifetime, they'll talk to the psyche and they'll talk to the inner you that began very early on in this life. My belief is the person that they're talking to is the soul. And the reason that you had those interactions early on in this life was because the soul was purposely bringing them forward because it was supposed to deal with them in this lifetime. So it's just a continuous loop, you know, um, and I'm not a psychiatrist, nor do I pretend to be one, but I truly believe that the psyche is the soul. And why, why is the spirituality isn't a recognized part of science the way psychiatry is, I'll never understand. But in, in my, in my, um, in my study of, of astrology, that starting at the 12th house, which is the soul's home, is where you can glean so much information, in particular, the improper programming that left the soul, and the soul, I should say, brought back with it in this lifetime, which is why I think I was just, you know, I was just having this conversation. Most astrologers refer to the 12th house as the house of secrets, sorrows, and self-undoing, and everybody knows that it's a house everybody wants to stay away from, and everybody's afraid of, but as I mentioned to you when we first moved to um, from the New York, New Jersey area to the Washington, D.C. metro area, I took the journey to the ARE, the Association of Research and Enlightenment, Edgar Casey. What Edgar Casey founded the association on, right there in Virginia Beach. And I studied so many of his teachings, and I was overwhelmed and impressed with this very learned man who was actually um, – he was actually very, very, very religious. And when he would go under into his trances, he would come up and his wife, who was the only one he trusted with taking the notes for his readings, would tell him some of the things he discussed. He was really did some soul searching as to whether he should continue with his readings because homeopathic medicine was brought in, all types of medicine, not just the traditional medicine, but, and then he would talk about astrology. And then he realized that, you know, it wasn't just the way he was taught and brought up, which is a very traditional lifestyle and very religious lifestyle, but that all roads lead to Rome, that the universe, there's so many ways to connect with certain information. And the way 
I equivocate or I would speak to my children or tell some of my students about it. It's, it's almost like that aha moment when we're, we're very young children and we say, okay, we always knew that five and five was 10. So we say, wait a minute, six and four is 10, two and eight is 10, you know, one and nine is 10. And we have that epiphany in our minds where we believe that we're just so enlightened at that moment because we realize there's other ways to get to the same formula, to get to the same answer. And I think this is what Edgar Casey taught me more than anything else. So I started, and one of the things that I learned visiting the Association of Research and Enlightenment, he talked about that the soul comes back every single lifetime, as I mentioned to you, that this in this lifetime we're in the physical realm. Earth is, is the physical realm, and we're supposed to come into this lifetime to learn how to have an honorable human life, which is a life that the body has worked for, but the soul can be proud. And there, as I say, that's always the, the rough part for us. So the people that extremes either way that say, you know, I don't want to make any money. I don't want to be successful. I just want to give my life to God. That's not what this life is about. Nor are the people who are just here walking all over everybody to become successes. It's about finding that, like everything else, like Aristotle, like everybody else that we respect in, in this field has talked about. It's all about moderation. It's all about being a success. And at the same time, giving other people a platform to be a success too highlighting their strengths and, and, and giving them compassion and using whatever money or resources you've made in this lifetime for the good of others as well as yourself. There's nothing wrong with being successful. And that was very enlightening to me. And I, I think it gave, gives everybody here a license to understand that this is a life where we're supposed to make something of ourselves. Our destiny is written in the stars in this lifetime. But as, as Edgar Casey talked about, and this is what brought me to the 12th house, was he said each time the soul came into this physical realm, the other realms were uh, a realm of total spirituality, not a life like this. That was on, on Neptune. And on Venus, it was a, total, a realm of not physical, of total love. And it's interesting how these are all the things these planets and influence yeah. represent in our chart. And he said when we come into this lifetime, the soul is dispatched and it comes in to this physical realm 30 degrees in this window, this portal, that's 30 degrees within 30 degrees above the eastern horizon as seen from the birthplace. Now, not coincidentally, those are the coordinates for the 12th house of everyone's birth chart. The first 30 degrees above the eastern horizon as seen from your birthplace is the 12th house. So it's not surprising the ancients referred to it as the soul's home. And then, understandably, no wonder it's the house of secret sorrows and self-undoing. What our soul is harboring on an unconscious level, improper programming from a previous existence, fears, you know, uh, a lack of self-worth, anything in that lifetime, if we're not consciously addressing it, it's going to eat away at us and keep us from moving forward with what we chose to come back to this lifetime to do. So it's always been very impressive to me that even when I have clients or people who've read the book and they start weeping or they start crying, I say, you know, this is all part of the process. Think of it, it's the first time in eons that the soul is validating, being validated. And I always say, that did happen to the soul. But that was yesterday, and yesterday is gone. And now it's today, and this is what you've chosen for this lifetime. And it's amazing how once we recognize on a conscious level, it's kind of like saying to your child, look, there is no boogeyman under the bed, and you shine the light of day under the bed, or you put a light under the bed, and you say, oh, wow. That isn't what I thought it was, or it isn't as scary as it looks. It's something that I can work on or I can change. And that's what, for me, the beauty of the 12th house is. I, when I started exploring this, my children were very, very little. And uh, I was having an issue with one of my middle child at the time, my daughter, and she 
has no problem with me telling this story. I tell it over and over again, <laughs> but it was my epiphany moment. And, and, um, when he was going through a phase, she was about seven and she was going through a phase where she was, you know, not telling me the truth and I'd find things hidden under her bed, like a bathing suit or cookies and, and everything I asked her, she would never tell me the truth. And this, this came on all of a sudden. I thought, I wonder if she's having some kind of transit in her chart. And I pulled her chart and then I just come back from education and I started looking at her 12th house. It became very apparent to me with her moon in the 12th and Sagittarius on the 12th and the different aspects being made that she was somebody that in a previous life had lost her mother. And was probably living on the street rather than in a home. She ran away and living on the street, stealing and trying to make life as best she could in this horrible environment where she felt very much alone and very isolated. And she was seven years old at the time. She was, and I'll never forget, I went into her bedroom that night. She'd been in trouble all day long. I think she even got spanking at the time back in those days when it was legal. Um, <laughs> uh, but she was sent to her room and, and, and her sister is sharing the bedroom with her and, and she's half asleep. And, I went in and I said, you know, it's been a really rough day today. She said, yeah. And I said, you know, mommy loves you very much the whole shtick. And I said, you know, I just want you to know, Whitney, that there might have been a time in a previous life when you had to steal and you had to lie just to get by. And you didn't have a family. You didn't have people who loved you. And I said, but look, there's your sister in the next bed. Your mom and dad are in the house. Your little brother in the other room. Your grandma's here. You have a full cabinet full of food and clothes. And I said, my only issue with you not remembering that this was a last a long time ago and not this life is that God in his infinite wisdom is going to look down and make probably think that you're not, you're not grateful for the things that you do have now, that it's not yesterday. I said, so what I want you to do is every time you have a, you know, you decide that you want to go that route and start acting scared again, think about everything you do have now. It'll make me happy. It'll make God very happy too. You should. Okay, mom. And the next day as God is my witness, the behavior stopped wow. cold. And I thought, you know, this is how children, their souls are so close to the other side to begin with. If we could do this as adults, right? I mean, and later on when she was in college, I said, well, do you remember that night? She says, I do. I said, she says, you know what, mom? I don't know why looking back, I didn't think it was so weird. But it was almost like you were, you were patting me on the back saying, I get you. She said, and I look back now, and none of that happened to me in this lifetime. She said, but it felt like, you, and, I, and that's why I realized what I was doing was validating her soul, saying this did happen to you, but, but look around. You don't, need to, you don't need this now. That was yesterday. That was a different time. So that's what I try to do in my books and for my clients and in my sessions and webinars, get people to look back at and be validated why they have these fears. Nobody's, they're not crazy. There's nothing wrong with them. It's something the soul had a hard time letting go of. And as a result, it's getting in the way of what it is you want to do in this lifetime. And now, it's very therapeutic. I, I have to tell you that I had a session with you and you were talking about my past and what I was going through at the time was extreme pain about my family. And what you had told me totally changed my life and the way I looked at it. Oh, now so that, that was in 2011. Right. That was a while ago. Yeah. And so all these years later, and I had progressed past that point of being fearful of being sad and disappointed and totally turned around to being in love, in total love 
with my family. I, they don't know it, right. but I had this extreme love for each and every one of them. Right. And it was because of you. I didn't wow. have to remain stuck. And you told me what happened in a previous life. And it was like a mirror image as to what I was playing out in this life. Well, you know what I'm so proud of you for? And, you know, I look at my own chart and I try to do the, the heavy lifting and it's difficult, but you had Gemini on your 12th house from what I remember. Yeah. And always a lost voice in a previous lifetime. I think it's so interesting now you with Law of Attraction talk radio, how you are living up to your contract with English. You were shut down and verbally and mentally abused by a family in a previous lifetime. And you believe that what you there had to be a, a secure, and this, most people would was, was, uh, think of it, with Gemini and the 12th are psychic because their conscious mind and their thinking and their mechanism for speaking and communicating has been suppressed below the conscious level. So you do most of it on an unconscious level, unaware that you're tapping in probably when you were younger, to psychic, to a psychic realm because you were forced to suppress it in your past life. So not only did you regain your voice in this lifetime, but look at how you're spreading the word <laughs> and how psychic you are. And that is, so it's not surprising to me that, and this is the thing about my new workbook, that it gives an opportunity for you to consciously, to, to go through the workbook and pull out what your birth energies will tell you it, about your last life. And then I leave an area for the soul for you to, without censoring yourself, for you to comment or edge certain things and give the soul an opportunity to acknowledge your way in on what your birth energies have to say about you. And you'd be surprised how many people come back and they add, and this is just it, by opening that door to the soul and saying, okay, you have the floor, we're listening, I'm listening. You'd be surprised at how the soul is just wants to come out. The soul wants to purge itself. And then once that happens, it's almost like there really is a weight lifted off your shoulder. You don't have somebody, your soul tugging on your suit saying, don't go there. Remember what happened the last time? Or don't talk to that person. Or remember what happened the last time when you tried to be psychic? They thought you were nuts and they locked you up in a loony bin. So these are the things, the talents and the gifts that are suppressed during the 12th house, as well as the improper programming. So if you were, if you did have a lot to say, which I believe you did based on your chart, in a previous lifetime, and you were a teacher of sorts, and you were punished and abused every time you enlightened others, your soul would have a difficult time in this lifetime speaking to the same people that tortured you that way in the past. Or, and in some ways too with astrology, I notice that all these things that are now metaphysical, the people like you and I and Geminis and Sagittarians and people that are out now spreading the word and talking about it in a previous life, they were probably ostracized because of those very things that are now new age or not even new age now, their norm. People are looking at astrology, not like, oh my God, you know, I can't go outside, I'll die today, as much as the way they would look at it as meteorologist. A, a meteorologist would say, you know what, it's going to rain tomorrow, but you do with that information what you will. So you either take an umbrella or you don't go out, you know. But nobody's telling you that I really got tired of astrology putting in the occult field when, in fact, it's a science. Our ancient astrologers would never have tolerated the two sciences being separated, astronomy and astrology, in the sense that astronomy was how the heavens moved as a whole and the objects moved in the heavens. And astrology, like any OG, like sociology or meteorology, how those movements affected us down here, personal us down here on planet Earth. And, and 
just because we can't see, touch, and feel the influences of the astrological influences like the planets and the sky and the stars, and just because we can't see, touch, and feel those like meteorologists, kind of wind, rain, doesn't mean that they don't exist. And how egotistical, which, which we are, we're human beings, are we to think that if we can't see it and understand that it, it doesn't exist? Look at the appendix. We still don't know what that was all about, right? So does that mean it never had a purpose? You know, we have to move beyond what we've been, what we know now before we'll ever be in line, you know? And that's what's so wonderful about being live at this time. Now, Dr. Bruce Lipton, and I had mentioned this in my intro, that he said astrology is real. There is scientific basis for astrology. But he goes even further saying that the cells reincarnate. So past lives are, in fact, real. Now, this is a medical uh, professor. He taught at medical schools. He's real. And for him to come out and say this, hey, you know, why are we not standing up and paying attention? Well, you and I are, my dear. We are. We are. And, you know, I think eventually everybody will. But I think it's past lives were... Are, are treated as an occult. We would never think of treating other things that that we've learned about. Like if you took your blood sample and you put it you put it under a microscope, and somebody said, "Okay, you have the potential to have this, this, and this disease in this lifetime, but you also have the potential to grow. To have, your children have the potential to grow six feet and be really great athletes." We think nothing of predicting those kind of things with physical evidence. But we have such a difficult time unless it's being proven to us. Yes. That why do we, like, where do we come off at saying to the universe, show me? You know, you know, you'll find out soon enough. Why do I have to show you? And that's, and I say to people, you know, like when we go to college, we have to look at every single life as, as one of the classes that we attend, whether it's first, second, third, or fourth. And so many of my clients and you say, you know, Marguerite, why don't I remember my last life? And I said, you know, this, some people do. I said, but the thing about it is every single life is a call. You don't really need to remember the last life. It might paralyze you in a lot of degrees. But I said, you know, it's, it's very much like when you go into the second grade or you go into the third grade or just say you go into college, you don't have to remember everything. You, it's really nice to have, you know, nostalgic memories of the fifth grade or the seventh grade, but you don't have to remember any, everything that you learned in all those other grades. All you have to remember is everything you learned in the twelfth. Because that's the culmination of all the other grades. So that's why I think I only, or we only get to see those very last physical life in the birth chart. Because that's the only one that matters to this. That's the point of evolution where the soul left off. And that's where we can find out what the fears were. That life is a culmination of all the other lives where the soul has evolved to. So while... People who are psychic might say, oh, I remember another life when I was a Marine, or I remember another life when I walked with Jesus. That's really wonderful. But what I think is the most important to this life is what's on that 12th house. And as I say in my workbook, it's not just the sign on the 12th. It's the ruler. Where's the ruler in your birth chart? That lends an awful lot. That gives me even more information about who you were in that last life. And, and as I say in, in, the, um, in the workbook, the thing that got in your way that was the cause of your undoing in that last lifetime is this, the closest hard aspect, <clears throat> excuse me, to the ruler of your 12. That's the thing, that's the crippling wound that you were never able to get over. Right. And you'd be amazed at how it's still, we're still in some way carrying it with us today. And, and with me, I have Leo on the 12th. 
which is supposed to be the, the sign of kings and queens or that you were supposed to be somebody in a previous lifetime. And, and the sun is, is the ruler of Leo. And the sun is up there in my 10th house conjunct, which is the closest hard aspect to, um, to Mercury and to my family, kind of like you, my family planets where in a previous lifetime, and that's the house of the father. In a previous lifetime, my father didn't want me doing what I was doing and silenced me. And it was, I believe it was something like being on a platform in a science, teaching astrology and astronomy as a science or something like that. But in those days, that was, you know, if you had a child that was doing something, like that, especially a woman, yeah, you know, lock her up, that kind of a thing. And so, and what's really interesting, I come back into this lifetime and I, in, in that lifetime, based on my chart, I kind of, you know, had a falling out with my father. I wouldn't let him see my children. And when I do my whole chart and I was angry with him and, and he silenced me and I come back into this lifetime to the most wonderful father. And again, I believe it was the same one who said, tell my mother. And we never understood why I don't want my children to hate me. He wouldn't discipline us because he didn't want his children to hate me. My mother had to be the disciplinary. But then what's really interesting, if you want to take it further, is that my dad died of a massive coronary when he was 59. And my big regret is he never got to see my children. So this is what I mean in the sense that that's not punishment. That doesn't mean it's karma for punishment. It's just what goes around must come around. It just has to for us to experience it on both ends. It's not because God is punishing us. It's because if we put energy out there, as Edgar Cayce says, we have to experience it on the receiving end. So as Christ, as Edgar Cayce, as Buddha, as everybody, any religious leader who is truly altruistic believes, why not only put out good stuff? Not because you're going to offend God, but because that's what's coming back to you. Unfortunately, we're human beings and we forget that sometimes. So we don't always put out good stuff. But that's the whole idea that not that we're being punished by the universe or by God. But I used to say to my children and to my clients, it's very much like if a mother is standing at a stove and she walks away from the stove and she says to her three children, you know, don't touch the stove now because it's going to burn you when it's hot. And so two of the children, they don't touch the stove, but the third one goes over and touches it, gets burned severely. And when the mother walks back and says, you're punishing me. You know, these are the laws of nature, the divine laws of nature. And if we cross them or, or mess with them, it's called chaos. And it's not, and, and I, that's why I don't believe God or the universal mind or creator lets one plane land and another plane crash, lets one baby die and another one live. I think these are the physical laws of this planet. And what we can do by being spiritual beings is learn how to tap into our own, our own ability to, to control our, our, our destiny and move forward with the lessons and the things. But not because God is, God, is, uh, God is rewarding us or benefiting us as much as when we call on God or the universal mind or the creator, automatically we have, we have a connection to the collective consciousness that's all-knowing all seeing and divine and abundant. So when we get into that, I think we can only access it though from a spiritual frequency. Right. And the spiritual frequency is God's frequency or the higher mind frequency. So it's not as if we're being punished. It's just that's the only way in. Yeah. You know, when there's no ego. And it's so interesting. Benjamin Franklin had a very interesting saying. He said, you know, as try as as hard as we will, as hard as we try to release the ego. We try and we try and it's so difficult. And the minute we do, the minute we can release the ego and think of somebody other than ourselves or something other than ourselves, we can't help but feel proud that we did. And there's the ego again. So it's very difficult for us 
human beings to release the ego. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's um, it takes a while to get to that point too. Well, I think it's, we're always going to be a work in progress, Jules. I think as long as we're human beings, that's not going to be easy for us because, and that's another article in my book, uh, Sign Language, we, Mars rules the ego. And if it wasn't for Mars, I call Mars, you know, get out of my way, you want a piece of me and who are you looking at? That's the influence. But that's, but that's how we get anything done down here on physical work and the physical world. If we were all spiritual and loving each other and happy and, you know, it would be like the 60s all over again, right? You know, we'll be, you know, we would get nothing done. We'd all be in, but this is a physical realm to accomplish something. And it has to be, we have to accomplish something where we have growth and the soul is evolved. And that's not going to happen without the ego. We have to learn how to tamper that ego down. So your workbook, um, it makes us zoom in then on particular happenings in our lives that we can examine and feel confident that they came from a past life and they are what we need to focus on so that we can finally heal and create a different reality. Is that correct? That's correct. And the, and the workbook also gives you... Um, Steps to take and exercises to turn around and not only just release the things, the fears, and the improper program of a previous life, but to start you on a path of embracing what it is you've given up because you don't feel you're entitled to. Oh, that is important. So here's the thing. It tells you about what was the promise and potential of your last life that was on the books. Where were you headed? What was it? What What event got in your way? And did you improperly program into guilt, shame, or just a lack of self-worth what did you what event crippled you into turning in, in on yourself then after that what can you do what what in this lifetime and many times the promise and potential of your last life is something that you have a yearning or real inclination for in this lifetime but you felt you know it's a pipe dream so what this what this workbook does is gets the soul to weigh in on so much of this stuff add some details that you might not consciously be aware of and then takes you through the steps of how to erase that improper program and what to put in its place so that you can it's almost as if in your last lifetime you were signed up to be a doctor and then something happened and you didn't show up for a few classes and then you feel oh i'm not supposed to be a doctor anyway Mm. and as a result in this lifetime you're always interested in the medical shows the medical field but you're not good enough and this is baby steps on how to get you back into a realm where you can start exercising and tapping in to the, um, the, the strengths and the weak, the strengths that you had in your last lifetime and recognize the weaknesses or what you've self-identified as weaknesses. It's just improper programming that you were forced, that, we're, that you were forced to, you know, to take on to deal with the event that happened in that lifetime. It's really self-inflicted improper programming. So the really neat thing about self-inflicted wounds is we can, we can heal them. And the thing about improper programming is we can reprogram ourselves. And that's what this workbook is, is to do for, for all of us. And um, I, I, the study group that I sent it out to was, there was not one person that wasn't surprised at just starting with, the sign on the 12th house. Now think of this. If the sign on the 12th house is Edgar Cayce said, if this is the soul's entry portal into this lifetime, that constellation that was sitting on that particular 
portion of the sky at the moment of your birth is what I call the cosmic contrast of your last life. It's all the emotional debris trail that came in with you. And that's what's really, that's why it's the soul's karmic closet. It's what the soul is keeping there under lock and key. Doesn't want to get rid of, doesn't want anybody else to see either. What what this workbook does is making you consciously address it and then you purge it. You decide what you want to get rid of. What, do you want to keep the talented gifts? Sure, keep them. But the other stuff, get rid of it. It's not doing anybody any good. And the best part is that when you go into the next life, you won't be dragging that with you. Yes. Yes. Isn't that something? That's what we don't want. You know, we need to finish the karma from the past lives so that we don't have to relive it. We've got something great ahead of us. Exactly. And that's the truth. You know, the birth energies that you were born under, they are, they are your contract with the universe. And people say to me, do you believe in fate or do you believe in uh, free will? And if you go into it, when you come to uh, Virginia, we have to go to the ARE together. Yeah. One of the things that Casey says, and it, this, I was raised as a Catholic and I was kind of fire and brimstone, and yet I believed in the metaphysical. And this was a way to bring everything together where none of those basic truths of, of any kind of Christian or even Judeo-Christian religion teaches you is that, you know, you do have a destiny in this lifetime. And it is, it is your destiny if you choose to live up to it. Because one thing about our contract with the universe, every one of us was given a free will option. So, while you go to college and your parents pay for this wonderful college college uh, courses for you, you don't show up for class and you don't do the heavy lifting and turn in your assignments. You're not going to get a degree. Now, is the college going to punish you and get mad? No, but you have to go back and do it again. And that's what these lives are like. Nobody's being punished. And that's why in this lifetime, Jesus, there's always more evolved souls. Some souls are more evolved than others. And quite frankly, you always think of your parents because, you know, we deify them. They gave us life, so of course we want their approval. We want their, and that's every one of us have a fourth house in our chart and a tenth house, and that's the, the parental axis. But we always tend to think that they are the ones that are involved. And quite frankly, and I try to remember this with my own children, quite frankly, souls come to people to evolve them. So as much as we want this approval from our parents, really, the approval that we should look for later on after their raises from our children because our children, I think in most cases are more our teachers than our parents. And as we were to our parents, because many times we can get frustrated with our parents. We keep expecting them to understand certain things that they don't. And I think it's very, it's very, very likely. In fact, when I had my son and we were going to uh, christen him and we did it in the church, the unity church, which was very metaphysical and, mm. And, and my aunt at the time was the, uh, was the pastor. And the one thing she said to me was, to, to me and my, my husband and I, she said, don't forget he's on loan to you. He's not yours. You know, he's on loan to you. You have to raise him, you have to discipline him, you have to bring him up the way with your values and the beliefs that you have and steer him in the right direction. But he's not on your path. He's on his own. And that was very, very good advice because I think parents get the two confused. I want my children to understand the spiritual values I give them, but I don't want them to be me. And I don't want them to live my life. In fact, if you let your children go off on their own, they're bound to teach you something. And you can let them go off on their own if you know full well that they have the moral and the, and the, and the, moral and the principles and the beliefs. If you've bestowed them, if they choose not to accept them, that's fine too. You've done your job. And that's what, that's what I always say to say, you know, the moon in everybody's chart 
the moon is great because the moon in the chart tells you, you know, I looked at all my children's moon. I said, okay, once I know what their moon, why they came to me, then I could be any kind of parent that I want because they're going to spend a year on a shrink's couch anyway, just on me. So once you realize that, once you realize that as a mother, you're okay, you're good to go. Then you say, okay, now I can teach them what I really want to teach them because it doesn't matter. Yeah. You're not going, they came with this moon in this chart. They came to me for this reason. And each one of my children have a different moon in their chart. But they all have to have to follow the same discipline and the same rules. But I realized when I saw where their moon placement was, what they needed from me in the way of uh, what they didn't get from a parent in the last time, what they didn't get from nurture. And that doesn't mean you have to compromise your disciplinary tactics or the things that you believe in. But knowing what they didn't get from a, a, a nurturing influence in the last time is very helpful in getting your message across to each one. So in that way, astrology was a, it was a great benefit to me in the sense that it was an, another tool in the toolbox as a parent to, especially when I looked at where their last lives were and where they were coming from, I realized that they were all very, very different. But there was a, um, there was a, a, a pattern in why they chose me in this lifetime. And then I would, want, I would realize that they were all watching each other. And as a result, my children are very, very close because that's one thing I refused to um, – to do as a parent was compare them to each other because they were all very, very different. But they were all going to follow the same rules because that wouldn't have been fair either. I think a lot of parents think that being fair is being, you know, when you, when, in order to be fair in this lifetime, everybody's got to be treated the same, and that's not true. Fairness isn't, isn't equal, equal. Fairness is not everybody getting the same amount of dessert. Fairness is the children who ate their vegetables getting it and the ones who didn't don't. But if that, you're consistent about that, that's fair. And I think as parents, we tend to think, oh, we've got to give every child the same thing. Every child doesn't want the same thing. And that's the issue. You know? So that's where it was very, very helpful for me, where I found astrology no different from no, – no meteorologist worth his Doppler would tell you that, oh, it's going to rain tomorrow, you're going to die. And no astrologer will either. But they'll tell you the influences where you came from and one of my best friends is a great transit astrology where she looks at the future, the energies that are coming up for the soul. And um, to be able to use this cryptic diagram of the birth energies we're born under to see where we came from, like a GPS, like a spiritual GPS, where we came from and where we're going. Mm. Being that bird's eye view of both can be very empowering. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I think with your workbook, it gives people – that opportunity to finally release the past and to move forward. At least for me, it was uh, life-changing for me to release the past, the anger, the fear. And, you know, it, it just makes all the different difference. For Glad the you told me that, Jules, because, you know, with Gemini on the 12th, it's highly likely that you lost a sibling in a previous lifetime and that terrified you of happening again. So sometimes people with Gemini and the 12th, their siblings can tend to walk all over them for that reason. <laughs> okay? Because you're terrified of losing them that you were responsible for it in the last lifetime when you weren't. But that's how the improper program is exactly the improper programming I'm talking about. You know, I, I, my name is not Jules. It is Julie. And because of the family um, laughing at me about this radio show that I changed my name to be Jules. <laughs> you know so something? That That's so Gemini's always have a pseudonym. Always, because they're a twin. You have to give the other twin a name in this life. I mean, you should do. 
And I did through this show, but it was because of the family and being laughed at and and it took me forever to gain my confidence to do it. And here's 11 years later and my life is about the show and the magazine. So I'm- And I bet they're impressed. Aren't they impressed? I, I don't know. And it's I something I will not ask because it's none of my business. No. My you're, better, you're a better person than I am. I'd be asking all over the place. So <laughs> I, I'm convinced that they do. I'm convinced that they are because you would hear differently if they weren't. And that's the thing. And that's the Gemini on the 12th is that you, and, and, and I'm really glad that you not stood up to them, but you turned around and you took that fear and you said, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen to me? They don't approve. And then as a result, you'll start finding that not only do your siblings approve and your family members and close and neighbors and everybody in that, that very uh, local immediate environment, you're going to find out that not only do they, do they approve, but they're impressed and a bit envious. That's always the way it ends up. Feels always. Well, yeah. I'm I'm delighted for myself that I I did this, and I am so fortunate to meet people like you. Did that it brings clarity to everyone. Now, I want to get back to the workbook. Yeah. Now, if you have to have your chart done in order to find out where the the planets are, right? You can go to my website, and if you want to send me your birth information, I can send you a birth chart at marguerimanning.com. But, you know, you can Google and get a birth chart instantly. What you do need, though, for my work is you can't just have the time, the day, and the, um, and the, uh, the, day and the, the city. You do need the time of birth because the tilt of the Earth's axis tells me what was on the 12th house at the moment your soul arrived on this planet and reported for duty. So that exact degree is so important to my work. And I've, I've said to people who've called into my radio shows or other radio shows and said, you know what, the very fact that they said, oh, I can't find it. It's not I said, I'm telling you, go look for it. The fact that your soul is open to this now, you're going to find it. Everybody comes back and says, you're right. Find the birth time if you don't have it. But the minute you get a birth chart and you can do it online, you, that's all you need. This is a user-friendly workbook with a chart. It's three parts. It's a, the workbook and then this soul work summary. And then there's a chart tools guide, which helps you in a very user-friendly way. Find your way around the birth chart very easily. For, there are six keys to finding your soul's past in the birth chart. The very basic remedial fundamental keys that I begin all my sessions with. Mine go further on into degrees and different levels. Like I said, when I'm doing a session for somebody, just the um, analysis takes about three hours before you can get them on the phone. But this, these first six keys are rudimentary. They're fundamental in finding out the most pivotal pieces of the information. And if you take each key in this workbook, this the chart tools will help you find the keys immediately, very effortlessly. And it's not the kind of workbook you do when you're making dinner or the kids are running around or you have other things to do. It's really something that it's not going to take that long to do, but try to do it at a time when you're alone with yourself and you have you can think and you can reflect and you'll be very surprised at the information you glean, what your soul is willing to share with you. If you and you don't have to be psychic, but I believe... We all have a psychic ability. We all have a soul. And when you're giving your soul an opportunity and a platform to talk to you, you'd be surprised at the information you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to say also that for everyone who do not have their birth date, if you go to your birth certificate, it will almost always have the exact time. Or And it, correct me if I'm wrong, It it's... 
within two minutes of your birth time. Oh, on mine, it's usually about a five to ten minute window. Okay. And, but as long as you have the exact birth time, that's really, really significant to f- finding out what I did. Uh, other astrologers can do solar charts, and they're really very helpful for finding out what your personality is like and what you know what things you have going on in this lifetime. But for finding out the details of your last life, it's almost as if you're saying, "I've got to, I've got to." Find that locked closet of the soul. And unless I have your time, the tilt of the earth axis against the stars, the backdrop of the stars and the constellations that on our ecliptic as we go around the sun, we're going through all these 12 constellations, but the earth is turning. So because the earth is turning, I have to know what was on that particular point, that latitude and longitude. And that's easy to find if I know you're, it's like three rulers, the day of the day you were born, the time you were born, and of course the city you were born, because it's as seen from your birthplace. Because and, you were born. and that's what I want to tell everybody: if you don't have your birth certificate, go to the city or the county that you were born in, and they have it. They do, and that will tell you. So you can just purchase. I think it only costs a couple of dollars, maybe eight dollars or something. Purchase it, have them send it to you, and there you go. You have the time. But I agree, you have to have the time. That is it's the whole picture, it's the whole package. You know, you're not just getting a little bit of the information, you're getting everything. And that is really, really important to know. Uh, that's, that's my starting off point. And I get to, before I even get my clients on the phone or my customers on the phone, I feel like I know them so well because I spent so much time. And I say to people, you know, I guard people's birth energy the way a lot of people would guard their social security number because so much information can be gleaned from birth energy that I don't treat it very lightly. And all, of course, my readings and everything are very confidential. But also in the workbook, I offer a very special, very low-cost reading to workbookers who want a little bit of help if they have a, a difficult time putting the past life pieces of their backstory together. But And that's only in the workbook, and it's only for people who have done the, who have done the workbook. But... Because these are people, obviously, that want more information, and it's there. It's there. That's great. That's great information. Now, let's talk about what is going on right now. We have a few minutes left about retrograde. And you sent out this wonderful email that talked about everything that's right with Mercury retrograde. And I'm going, wow, now that really shifts you from being fear mode of paying attention every second to relax. It's okay. It's supposed to happen. So talk about that. Well, Mercury retrograde, in fact, in birth charts, retrogrades are karmic markers for me, but all the planets go retrograde. The sun and the moon do not. But um, all the planets go retrograde at one point or another. And a retrograde is, think of it this way. When Mercury goes retrograde, the hype is, you know, that's why I said above the hype and beyond the spin. The hype is don't fly, don't call, don't talk. You know, everything is going to be crazy. And here's the thing about Mercury retrograde. Mercury retrograde goes retrograde every 88 days. And the reason it does is to go back and bring to your attention things that you've missed during that time. So as I say in the article, if the toaster has to be returned or the flight is canceled, you should be thankful that something's bubbling to the surface that is making those things happen. The reason they tell you not to buy anything when Mercury is retrograde. It's for that reason. All the defective things are coming to the surface to let people know that they exist. And that's why you wouldn't get married when Mercury is retrograde. But here's the thing. You do want to know. You do want to know about the flaws. That you, you do want a second chance to find the facts after the fact. And that's what I say. 
it's a perfect time to do any kind of research. It's a perfect time to get information you couldn't find at other times. I've had clients, some of them found lost articles, lost dreams. Think about going back. And I also, with you, Jules, this is a perfect time to do psychic sessions. Think of Mercury going down deep into the unconscious. It's going back into the past, bringing things forward. So for Mercury-driven people like Virgos and Geminis, it's a really good time to do sessions and reads because you're getting information that you wouldn't have access to before. Small story about that. When I wrote my first book, Cosmic Karma. And Which is excellent, by the way. It's still well, on sale. You should go and get that book. I love it. Uh, thank you so much. And when I, the, the best uh, mountain astrologer, the best, you know, the most, uh, I should say, well-known astrology magazine was reviewing the book. This is like maybe six months after it was released. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad Mountain Astrology. I hope they like it. I hope they like it. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to call Mountain Astrologer and ask them to send me a copy. I'll buy a copy and ask them to send me when the reviews out. So I called and the woman at the desk, I said, oh, I am Marguerite Manning. And my book, Cosmic Karma, is being reviewed in next month's edition. I need. She goes, oh, would you like a copy of the review? I said, and that's not done. I said, sure, I'd love a copy of the review. And she sent it to me. And this is the beauty of Mercury retrograde. People can't keep their mouths shut when Mercury retrograde. And you might be one of them too, so be careful what you say. But that's why I say never hit send without checking what you're sending things to because it's obviously sometimes going to the wrong person. But this woman was so nice and so sweet. And I bet she was a temporary that didn't know she should be sending me a review before the magazine was out. But it was a great review. But she sent it to me. So that taught me at that time, Mercury was retrograde this time. That's the time to ask the questions that you can't get answered. That's the wow. time for the information that's been being kept from you. Sure, you're going to have delays and difficulties, but if you look at those, it's a small price to pay for getting the information and the things that you need to get during that time. That's when, I'm, when I have, have any kind of a difficult time with a concept that's eluding me or I'm not understanding something, Mercury retrograde is the perfect time for it. Anything like that, when it's coming back and revisiting something where you're getting more knowledge, you're becoming more enlightened, and you're getting the facts. Mercury retrograde, it's think of it, Mercury is going retrograde to bring back what you've missed. And I always tell women, it's the perfect time to find Mr. Right. I found out, I, I have all my tests, when I have any kind of medical tests for my children or for myself, I would always do it when Mercury is retrograde. And people say, are you kidding? They found some very serious things that were obviously easy to take care of when Mercury is retrograde because you can't, nothing can hide during a Mercury retrograde. People say, oh, you know what? If you do it during Mercury retrograde, it's going to have to be done over. Yeah, it's going to have to be done because they're finding things that they couldn't find before. Wouldn't you rather have that than having things kept from Wow. So that's how I look at it. And it's been what about surgeries then? Well, surgeries, I wouldn't do a surgery when Mercury was retrograde. Exactly. But if it's an exploratory surgery, absolutely. If it's where somebody's looking for information, doing a test like a mammogram or, you know, any kind of a test where they're looking for something, it can't hide during a Mercury retrograde. It just can't. It's going to come out. And that's the perfect time to have any kind of testing done when you're trying to find out if you're healthy, if you're well, anything like that. And, of course, they might come back and say, okay, you know, and as in my case, we have to do this test over here. And they found something, but it was able to take care of right away. To that day, I've never not scheduled a test when Mercury was retrograde. And that's you, – if you're worried about it having to be done over, you're kind of missing it. And I think that's what the hype is about. Sure, you'll have to take the flight. You'll have to reschedule the flight. But wouldn't you rather have? Wouldn't you rather have found out that there was engine trouble than getting on a plane that didn't you didn't know about that? Yeah. That's the thing. Is that we're just seeing the inconvenience, but we don't realize the information that came to the surface that caused the inconvenience. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, because 
I know people who are flying during retrograde and it always... Right. It can work. And there's no reason for that. There's not. And when I, I did a session one time, this is when I was recording on my iPod, maybe about 10 years ago, my daughter was in school and she came home and I said, I, and I, I'm pretty good with technology, but the iPod champion was doing a Mercury retrograde. And she said, oh, you didn't know there's a button on the top that I had no idea. So sure, it was inconvenient, but I learned something about my iPod that day. And that's the thing. It's forcing you to understand or learn something. Yeah. In that particular moment. So if you take the information instead of throwing up your hands and saying, oh, forget this, say, okay, what, what am I supposed to learn from this? You'd be surprised. It's usually information that can serve you really well later on down the road. Right. But if someone else is flying and you, they're just, they're supposed to learn something. Right. And it doesn't mean there's nothing, and it doesn't ever mean that anything bad is going to happen. That's not what Mercury retrograde means is that the plane's going to go down or something. It means delays, inconveniences, having to do things over. Okay. And it's always because of information. It's never anything. That doesn't mean uh, something negative never happens when Mercury, of course it does, but that's other influences in the sky. The Mercury retrograde is to bring you back, to make you see, it's almost like, see what you missed over here? You missed something. You might not want to do anything with it, but sometimes it's very important to have the information that you missed. Okay, gotcha. So my my grandkid is going to Hawaii and the flight, and I'm going. Oh, she'll be fine. She'll be, she'll, 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 she'll be fine. And and you know, if the flight is delayed or she finds out that the layover was longer, turn around and say thank you because what's happened is something came to this somebody's so attention and it's keeping her safe. That's how I look at it now. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's, uh, it, it, this is fabulous. And anything on, um, well, you really focus on the past, but what about the Mars? You mentioned Mars being in retrograde and everything. Mars is in retrograde now. And you look at, what, look at where Mercury is in your birth chart and Mars. And where Mercury, and, first of all, where Mars is retrograde, it's where everything is going to feel like it's physically stalled for a while. But again, Mars is expect, ex, asking you to go back and look at previous actions you've taken. Is there something you want to do over? Is there something you would do differently? Is there some reason that you need to put the brakes on now? That's what Mars, and I think Mars goes um, direct on August 27th, I believe. Is when right. it goes and that's when wherever Mars is in your birth chart, I believe Mars is retrograding in um, Aquarius. I think it's like right around the end of it Capricorn. It is Aquarius. Aquarius, right. So when that moves forward, whatever that degree is in your chart. That's where things are going to start to take off and start to feel like you got a boost on around August 27th. Great. Now, Mercury. Uh, and the other thing too is men, men from your past can come back in July when Mars is retrograde, the male energy, the competition from previous, from previous times. And also anytime there's a retrograde, it doesn't just mean this life. It means a previous life. So Mercury retrograde will tell you about, um, previous friends, neighbors, or siblings coming back into your life, asking for something or communications coming back. You might've thought, oh, that, that, was, uh, that conversation was over. Not necessarily, it's coming back. Uh, the same with Mars. Mars, they're both personal planets and Mars is a personal planet of, of action, ego, and energy, but it's also of men in your life and male pastimes. So particularly the major men in your life, Mars can be an ex-husband, it can be a brother, it can be a, a father figure, any male in your lifetime, a male teacher coming back um, 
and looking in your birth chart, what house that's in, and that will tell you the areas of life that you're coming back into or that are going to be affected as of this energy coming back into your life. And it can also be with Mars. It can also be a previous adversary or competitor. So um, that usually, that, that, and sometimes it's very often a male, but sometimes it's just a previous adversary or competitor that is coming back into to, to challenge you again or throw the gauntlet down again or... And don't be squeamish about it. When, when this Mars or, or Mercury retrograde come back into an area in your life, the universe is giving you another chance to stand up to it or to win this time. Mars is the planet of winning. So when it comes back in, don't look at how you handled that energy the last time this man or this competitor or this adversary came into your life. Do it differently this time. Have, have the courage to stand up and, and, and face it and not be, not be afraid of it in this particular instance, whatever that is. And again, on August 27th, when Mars goes direct, that area of your, that area of your birth chart, if it's the house of money, if it's the house of uh, the success of health and everyday work, whatever area that is, it's going to get a boost. And you're going to see, like, you feel like you have an extra surge. Things are going to come in universally to actually kind of make you feel like you're riding the tide. Good, good information. This is wonderful. Marguerite, uh, you are pretty fantastic. Tell us where we can get the workbook. You can go to my website at uh, marguerimanning.com and there's a tab for the 12th house workbook. You can pick it up there. All the other books you can get on Amazon. Just Google my name on Amazon. There's Juno, Your Karmic Match, Made in Heaven and Cosmic Karma and Sign Language. And they're all all my work and my books are about advancing the universal law of karma through the scientific principles of astrology. I truly believe that we can uncover the past and astrology is one of the tools that can help all of us do it. And we can heal the past. I always say, Jules, you know, the past is a wonderful, all the past is a wonderful tool for healing if we just remember where it belongs. And so many times we live in the past instead of, and we really, really, relive the past instead of relieving it. And that's what my work is for, to show you that, to keep a distance from the soul and say, okay, I'm driving the bus, but we are going to go back there and we're going to face that stuff. I love that. And that is so true. And literally, it was a life-changing moment for me talking to you and having my session. Oh, my gosh. It was life-changing. And really, I have to attribute that to the success Uh, of the radio network and the magazine, because uh, I would not have been able to go forward had it not been for the revelation. And look what we would have all missed. Look at the work you're doing and look at the influence and the bright light you are in the world. I mean, that's what makes me feel wonderful is to meeting people like you and working with people like you. That's how you know that you're you're you know, you're, you're riding the waves of the universe. I always say when you're living up to your contract, it's not that you hear angels singing, you see birds, and, <laughs> although you might hear that, you know, they, they may be caused by other things, but it's just that you know that it's not like, you don't feel like you're pushing a round peg into a square hole all the time. You feel like you're, you're, go, you're moving forward. You feel like you're on some kind of a wave, you know, and, and like any other human being, we have our ups and downs, but it never takes away from feeling that you are doing the work you're supposed to be doing. That's right. Oh, Marguerite, thank you so much. It was so good being with you again. It was way too long. I know. We're going to come down to Virginia. We got to go to the ARE together. Yes, we are. We're going to do it. And in the next few months, too, we're going to do it. All right? Right. Thank you so much, Jules. Thank you, Marguerite. 
Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great show from Law of Attraction Talk Radio. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send an email to jules at loaradionetwork.com and have a great week.